Hey guys, I just wanted to take a second to ask that if you gain any valuable insight from this episode, that you please share and leave a review. We truly appreciate all the support and would love your help to spread the word. Enjoy the episode. How many times have we had a million dollar idea in the shower? By the time we brush our teeth, it's down the drain. We see it 10 years on a billboard later going, hey, there's my idea. The only difference between you and them is one person acted. And it's the action in the law of attraction that makes our dreams a reality. I've been published in 148 books, 45 languages, 100 countries, and have a star on the Walk of Fame for writing books, yet I'm dyslexic. Yep. I can't spell, I can't read, I can't write very well. If you play me words with friends, I promise you'll win every time. My job is I get to travel the world to meet the most powerful and influential humans and then tell their stories in books and film. And I'll spend an hour, three hours with somebody, and then I reduce what they said to 60 seconds. Who am I to decide <laughs> what the best, but it's, it's the nugget that I took away. Sure. And that's what we have to live with. What we're saying right now could impact somebody five years later, they're gonna meet you in the mall and say, hey, that one time I heard you and you said this, this impacted me. Welcome to the show, Greg. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. I love your fancy wall back here. Oh, thank you. It even has your had your name on it exactly. for a second. It was pretty awesome. And, and by the way, the headquarters around here, spectacular. Well, thank you. And very, very we'll, cool. we'll give a little shout out to Eric in the booth because he uh, he had some innovation involved in that and his creativity. I think I cut to the that. chase. Eric is actually the brains behind this. Oh, the brains, the bronze, the looks. <laughs> I'm the puppet. <laughs> there you go. He brings it all. Yes. Excellent. Yes. Um, but I'm actually honestly super excited to have you. I have been trying to get to know you for too long. And funny enough, that was kind of the first story we said, which was, I guess you were too. Yeah. And we were just two bottles lost at sea until we clicked. Yeah. It's kind of like Cinderella looking for the uh, glass slipper sort of yes. thing. But now we're here. Boom. Yes. We go together here. like shabba-da-ba-ba-da-ba-ba-da-bing-ba-boom. That's it. You are a bundle of energy. That's it. And you know, we we're talking offline about, you know, journeys and people we've met along our quest. And, you know, it's so funny. A lot of people ask, you know, the favorite interviews, the people you've met and things of this nature. So far, who's the best person you've interviewed? Ooh, on my show or just in life? Just in life. Mason Sawyer. Why is that? Because his story has changed my life. Wow. Uh, it's a sad story, but it's one where, um, so I've had the privilege of meeting a ton of people. And his story is not one of achieving a milestone. It's actually, he was a father, he had three children, his wife, his three kids, his brother, and his nephew were in a fatal car accident. The only survivor was his youngest son. And the fact that he is able to sit across from me and look me in the face and still function, um, and how he's overcome that and his perspective on life about life is, you know, 10% what happens to you and 90% what you're going to do about it. And I get to from my have to's and it just changed my perspective a lot on so many different things. So it impacted me the most. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah. It seems like some of these journeys where everyone thinks that, you know, they're the overnight success stories in 20 years and we've heard every cliche about it, but it's the people that handle their adversities. They're the ones that we respect the most, right? Correct. Because they went through something, but it also shows that this too shall pass. And if they did it, perhaps I could do it too. And there's a blueprint, right? All we have to do is follow the same path and perhaps we can duplicate it for ourselves. I love that you said that because, and I think I mentioned it to you, but the premise of the show is success formula. And I think success is formulaic. I believe that if you undercover that blueprint, that formula, whether regardless of what you want to do, whether it's, it's something in entrepreneurship, whether it's being a parent or a good friend, finding love, um, 
being a farmer. It doesn't really matter what it is. There is a formula that you can follow for success. And my goal and what I'm inspire, trying to do is inspire everyone to find that formula. Because if you do and you become successful, it opens the doors for everything. And a mutual friend of ours, David Meltzer, he used to have this saying. Gratitude guy. The gratitude Every guy. Every single night before I go to bed, I say thank you and wake up. Thank you. Thank you, David Meltzer. So you, you do follow that. Of course I do. That is wonderful. Absolutely. Did you download the app? I, well, Dave and I go way back, yeah. so he's always in my head. Fair enough. But he, you know, when I was younger and I was interning in his companies in middle school and high school, he used to have this saying, make a lot of money, have a lot of fun, help a lot of people. Right. In that order. Right. Excuse me. I reversed it. It used to be, help a lot of people, have a lot of fun, make a lot of money in that order. Fast forward a decade later, it changed to make a lot of money, help a lot of people, have a lot of fun. And I asked him, why did you switch the order? Because it felt icky to me when I first saw it. And I'm like, well, this doesn't make sense. Like, you're a philanthropist, a humanitarian, a giver, gratitude. And now you're all of a sudden moved making money from the last priority to the first one. And he said, if I don't make enough money, I can't help enough people. That's true. And when he said it at first, it didn't, reckon, it didn't resonate. And then it really hit me. And, and I saw that analogy from the airplane, which is, put your mask exactly. on before you help someone else. And it's so true. And, and by the way, it's like uh, you have to... Fill your own cup first, like Les Brown says, and then you can feed the world with what Correct. flows over. And it's selfless to be selfish to do that. Mm. Because I know that if I can help everyone find success formula for them and they become successful, I'm spreading happiness. I'm spreading joy. Yeah. And I'm doing something with a platform that that I have and the people I have access to and my, my incredible relationships. So that's kind of what this whole show's about. Love it. And there's also a factor of sometimes things happen. So, for example, when the housing crash happened in 2007-8, you could have done everything by the book perfect, and things happen out of your control. Right. On the same note, if you duplicate the successful actions on the other side of it, then eventually you can reap those rewards as well. It means that you can't give up when you're, as I say, three feet from gold, right? That's right. You can't give up. And it's, it's inevitable that things will happen, mm -hmm. which will be a catastrophe, will set us back, will knock us down the mountain. Those things happen to everybody, including successful people. Yeah. The difference is how you recover from that is one of those huge distinctions. Mm -hmm. And what I've learned from just getting the opportunity to interview so many great people is they all have that story when all of it came crashing down or all of it was about to get taken from Or they from see them. it from a different perspective. I mean, one of my favorites was a guy named uh, Steve Wozniak in Apple Computers. And I said, how did you and Jobs have so much success? And he says, well, we embraced our lack. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, where most people run from where there are adversities. He goes, I ran toward it. I go, what are you talking about? He said, when these little microchip processors things came out, he goes, they were so expensive. Jobs sold his car. I sold my calculator. We pooled our money to buy one. He goes, but Hewlett Packard and IBM would make machines that go from A to B with 20 chips. They had all the money of God. He said, I'd pull away five and get to work with 15. I'd pull away five and get it to work with 10. Eventually, he went from A to B using our one chip. He goes, we were not trying to be innovative or cool or dynamic. We could afford one freaking chip. He goes, but by embracing that as an opportunity, we found the shortest, cleanest path and changed the way people do personal computing for the rest of the world for the rest of their life. He goes, where could you be in your own business if you stop looking at everything as a challenge and obstacle, but it could just be your greatest blessing and opportunity in disguise? I mean, wow, that is powerful and so true. True. Right on the money, right? Yes. Yeah. It means it's funny. In Think and Grow Rich, the biggest chapter was the last chapter, and it was all based on fear. And it was the sixth ghost of fear. Now, the fears that he talked about so many, you know, decades ago was all about 
things that I don't think are relevant today. The fear of loss of love. Well, more people divorced that didn't kill them. Fear of old age. Well, you only live to be 40, so I could see that being a fear. The three fears that I believe are current today is one, it's the fear of the unknown, not knowing what's next. It's kind of like the whole COVID situation. Yep. Two, the fear of pain. We do everything to avoid it. Yep. But the biggest one is the fear of criticism and judgment. And there's a bumper sticker that says, what would you do if you couldn't fail? And I say, throw that away and replace it with, what could you do the moment you stopped giving a crap what people thought? Would you ask that person out for a date? Would you start that business? And the funny thing is no one's thinking about us. <laughs> They're dealing with their own life situation. So the best moment to take action with that million-dollar idea you have in the shower is the moment you get out and dry off. That is so profound. Simple, too. It is simple. But So let me ask you. Someone's struggling with that third biggest fear, that fear of criticism and judgment. Yes. It's easy to say don't worry and care what other people think, but yeah. clearly they have that block. I got an answer for you. I want it. Surround ourselves with people that we have respect for and not people we have influence over. Surround ourselves with people we have respect for, not people we have influence over. Correct. Who's getting the results that you want for yourself? If you're a starving artist and hang out with other starving artists, you're going to bring each other down. If I was a brand new starving artist and knew nothing about art, day one, I'd go to a gallery, I'd sit out front, get a ham sandwich, and watch whose art was pulled off the table, whose art was being taken down from the wall. I would ask that person how they did it and seek that guidance. I think, unfortunately, most people don't seek a credible source. They see an Instagram image, you know, for example, of someone leaning against a Lamborghini, we'll all reach out to Mr. Lamborghini himself and get it right from the source. And if more people took the time and attention to ask where the other people got their information from before they took that guidance, their life would change accordingly. If you didn't capture all that, rewind that the last 30 seconds, because that right there is absolute gold. Well, this is the whole concept back to that one book, Three Feet from Gold. Successful people seek counsel and failures listen to opinion. Counsel is based on wisdom, knowledge, mentorship. People have paved the way. Opinions based on ignorance, lack of knowledge, like your family, friends who've never done what you're about to venture upon. If I go to a family friend and say I'm going to write a best-selling book, trust me, they're going to do everything to talk me out of it to protect me, to keep me safe because I'm dyslexic and they've never written a best-selling book. If I go to Mark Victor Hansen who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul, he's going to say, Greg, sit down. Here's what you need to know and give me counsel based on wisdom, knowledge, mentorship. If we would spend our activity only seeking counsel and ignoring opinion, that is the day your life would change. I mean, I think to my own life and I think I can absolutely agree with everything you're saying that fortunately I was I was fortunate to be around mentors early in life when others probably didn't have that. No, no, no. You listened to mentors. See, okay. <laughs> many receive right. great right. advice, but few profit from it. The greatest way we can honor our mentors is by taking action, and that's where you get more. When I wanted to be a public speaker, I hunted down Les Brown. Yep. Legend. I said, Mr. Brown, just do me a favor. Give me one nugget, one thing I could do different in my career to make my speaking stuff better. And he said, okay, and he did. A month later, I hunted him down and said, Mr. Brown, I met you a month ago. I asked for a nugget. I did it. Here's my results. What should I do next, sir? What's the chance of that guy giving me the next golden nugget? 100%. 100%. That's the difference between most people. I guarantee the only thing that separates you from most is you did something. I mean, I, I guess I would go have to go back and ask them, but I think you're right. I, I took, I mean, one of my core values is taking immediate decisive action. If I'm going to do something, I do it. I don't, I don't wait. Hmm. Right or wrong. Yes. How many times have we had a million-dollar idea in the shower? By the time we brush our teeth, it's down the drain. We see it 10 years on a billboard later going, hey, there's my idea. The mm -hmm. only difference between you and them is one person acted. And it's the action in the law of attraction. 
that makes our dreams a reality. Think it, feel it, get off your ass, take action, you got to do. And the law of attraction is something that is so powerful when you really understand it. The law of vibration. Well, law of vibration, but the law of attraction as yes. well. Yes, well, it is. To me, it's all the same because you vibrate and you attract what you put out there. So I call it the law of vibration. Bob Proctor and I wrote a book called uh, Think and Grow Rich, Thoughts Are Things. And we went on a journey and interviewed all these amazing people to go, how does your thoughts become reality? And we realized that thoughts are not things. If thoughts were things, I'd be a slice of pizza right now because I'm hungry, <laughs> right? But my thoughts become reality by the actions in which we take. And we realized that we have 64,000 thoughts a day. Majority of them are called ants, automatic negative thoughts. They're the reptilian part of your brain to protect you, to keep you safe. So What's if you an walk, example of one? Well, if you walked out of a cave, a dinosaur wouldn't eat you. So you, you want to protect yourself. In today's world, what we need to do is realize that if thoughts were things and most of them are ants, everything should be chaos around us. The only difference is our thoughts become reality by the actions in which we took towards those thoughts. Everyone's been on the freeway and someone cut them off and thought of doing something evil. The only difference between you and the one person with road rage is you didn't act on it. Fair. So 64,000 thoughts a day. Yep. Most of them are ants. Ants. We obviously choose what we take action to, and those are the ones that will manifest. That's our reality. That's our reality. Yep. So when you get those negative thoughts and those ants are crawling in, in your mind, do you give them the time of day? Do you immediately squash them? That's a great question. I have something called an ape which is, means automatic positive experience. Okay. So to me, it's a song by Billy Joel. So if I'm driving down the road and someone cuts me off, and it takes training and doesn't happen overnight, someone cuts me off, I go, you son of a... In the middle of the night, <laughs> right? I go right to my song. But to me, in my head, imagine an ape standing outside an anthill and just squashing them suckers. So what happens is I realize if you don't do that, eventually, no matter how big the ape is, that many ants can overtake it. So I surround myself with people I have respect for, people I have alliances with. Mm -hmm. I ask them for guidance, them for their counsel. And by doing so, the positive thoughts are more strong than the negative ones. Wow. So I have this thing I do, and I'm going to ask you to either tell me I should adjust it or if I'm on the right track. And I do this five-minute pity party. So I actually don't squash it right away because I have found that if I don't give the negative emotions, those negative moments where I feel like a victim, the time of day, it lingers. So I set a timer on my phone for five minutes, and literally for five minutes, I cry, scream, curse, act like a victim, poor me, why me, this isn't fair, it's all their fault, not my fault, blah, blah, blah. Alarm goes off, and then I don't think about it ever again. Beautiful. Should I shrink that down, or is five minutes okay? That is your, I'm not a psychologist, and I'm not a therapist. I write okay. books and make movies, but I would say this as to me, I choose not to live in it very long. And you can ask Tia, people around me. Yeah. I just won't, I, I choose not to feed that because I have this theory. If it something feeds you, you feed it more. And if it eats, you kill it immediately. If it feeds you, you feed it more, whether it's emotional, physical, sexual, whatever it is. If it feeds you, feed it more. But if it eats, you got to let it go. Yeah. And so I surround myself with most happy, positive feeding thoughts and people, you'll never walk into my house, probably like in this business, with a bunch of crap heads, right? Yeah. We seek, like Rumi said, whatever you seek is seeking you, and amazing people are out there just waiting for you to reach out. So what's a, what's a, tick, uh, what's a tip or a tactic someone can deploy right now to help move from where a lot of us are mm -hmm. to that, to the point where it's like, this is eating, I need to kill it. It's hard. Oh, of course it's hard. It's not easy. Do what's hard and the rest is easy. 
I'm going to tell you a quick little story. When I was Please. 17, I worked in a warehouse, and this guy who was my lead would always say, do what's hard, the rest is easy. And I didn't know what that meant. And I realized that every day we get a task, and it was like 50 different tasks. One was a monumental, big, giant thing, moving a mainframe computer, and then a bunch of little stuff. And he would come and do that big thing first, and then the rest of the day have nothing. And all of us new people, we do the little things, dreading, putting off to the last minute that big thing. And then one day, he says, do what's hard, the rest is easy. And I heard it. And I did the hard task first. And the rest of the night, I listened to everyone else complain, grope, mind, because everything was going to be bad. And for myself, I was enjoying the rest of the day knowing that my hard stuff was done. So then I said, how can I implement that in other parts of my life? How can I have that tough conversation right away? How can I peel that Band-Aid? And that's how I live my life today. So my taxes are filed. My thing, I put everything that's hard, I do right away so that the rest of the days are simple. It's brilliant. It's not hard. It's just well, once you get used to it, it's like anything else. The first times are hard, but then you become accustomed to it. Sure. Yeah. So 100 books later, 30. I, I, so I've been, okay, let's be clear. I've been published in 148 books, 45 languages, 100 countries, and have a star on the Walk of Fame for writing books, yet I'm dyslexic. Yep. I can't spell. I can't read. I can't write very well. If you play me words with friends, I promise you win every time. And 34 bestsellers. More than that now, yeah. Oh, more than like that. that. Yeah, oh, well. not that wild? Yes. Yeah, it's just wild. It is wild. Day one, book one. Mm. T- take me back to that. When you write a book, you do something called a query letter. It says who you are, what's your message, why are you an expert, who's going to read your book. I sent eight query letters out every single week to come to the mailbox a week later saying, go away, you suck, you'll never make <laughs> it, you're dyslexic, you can't do it. And I didn't take it personal. I taped them all around my office. In fact, if you ever come to my house, I still got them in a bucket. And finally, I reached out to someone and said, look, I'm a big boy. I know you're not going to do my book. Be honest with me. What am I missing? And they go, well, you're dyslexic. You can't spell. It's a mess. And I said, no insult. What do I do? And they said, you need a ghostwriter. So I hired someone, and they crafted it in a way that people had to want to read it. So my book was a boy wants a bike, gets off his ass, mows lawns, makes money, buys a bike. They took it and said, It was a glorious Sunday afternoon when a young bride-ad lad caught the entrepreneurial spirit as he went outside, right? And they made it into a book form. Well, that was my first book called The Millionaire Mentor. And one quote from that book was shared 37 million times. And that quote you've heard a million times. It says, a dream written down with a date becomes a goal. A goal broken down becomes a plan. A plan backed by action makes your dreams come true. Bumper stickers, T-shirts. I've shared it myself on my Instagram story. There is my quote shared from a book that was turned down 268 times in a row. And the moral is never let another person or yourself talk you out of what you know to be true. Yep. So I'm going through that journey right now. By the way, you owe me a quarter for that. Copyright. I gave you you a bottle of water. (laughs) Yes. We're even. (laughs) Tell you what. I'll use your next quote. Two times, and I'll give you 50 cents. Done. Done? Sold. Sold. Well, I'm actually going through that process. I I have my first book coming out. It's been very hard for me because I, like you, am not a writer. I didn't think I was ever going to write a book. I did a course for LinkedIn, and they said, we want to turn this into a book. And I had the ghostwriter go through the process with me, and it was done. And then I read it, and I said, nope, Mm -hmm. because I was reading my own words in a voice that wasn't mine. And I shelved it for two years. And now, finally, it's dust it off, and I finally put a little bit of love into it, and I'm going to come out with it. And I don't know if who's going to read it or basically where you were probably with book one, but um, I'm excited for that journey. And 
you're an inspiration for me on that front because 143 okay, books later. So Daniel 40? Laporte, I believe I'm saying her name right. She taught me a lesson that changed my life about this. So I'm going to pass it on Please. from her to you to me through it. I started living a life of non-attachment. And I'm sure you've heard this a lot. Detachment means you don't give a crap. That's not a good way to live a life. Non-attachment is I go all in. I give it everything I have, but I'm not attached to the outcome. So every time I do a new book, I give it everything I got. I birth that child. But as soon as I go, it's not my responsibility if people read it, like it, mm-hmm. want it or not. And again, I don't run from the fear of what people will say about it. Uh, my mentor, he wrote a book called The Illuminate. And he said, there's an old song by Disney that says, you've got to accentuate the positive and eliminate the negative. He said, no, it's all wrong. Accentuate the positive and illuminate the negative. And I remember when one of my books came out, I had a one-star review and it said, it sucks. Like, oh my gosh, people are going to see it. Oh my Lord. And I called Dave. I go, what do you do? And he goes, illuminate. So I sent an email to 37,000 people and said, hey, everyone, my new book's out. People seem to love it. One guy says, it sucks. Here's the link. Guess what happened? Everyone stood up for me and jumped on that thing. But more importantly, it became an international bestseller because of all the attention it brought to it. So not, you know, being afraid to put the spotlight on it actually was a blessing in disguise. Sure. It's also a, a I mean, maybe you had this emotion, maybe you didn't, but it's, it's a vulnerable feeling because uh. I'm better with words. I'm less comfortable with the written and written is how you read something. And so I can say something and read it with a happy tone. And I could say the same sentence and read it with a negative tone and deliver a different message. Right. And so how someone reads those words, it makes it's very vulnerable. It's it's a very exposing feeling. And to your point of not caring what others think, that is the the current struggle. Even myself, I, I deal with it. And I'm sure you still sometimes have to deal with it. Well, I'm not responsible. I do care. I just I'm not responsible for their outcome. And we also have to be careful in this, you know, chosen field of endeavor that we're in because what we're saying right now could impact somebody five years later, they're going to meet you in the mall and say, hey, that one time I heard you and you said this, this impacted me. So we have to choose our words wisely. And we also have to play God sometimes. I mean, my job is I get to travel the world to meet the most powerful and influential humans and then tell their stories in books and film. And I'll spend an hour, three hours with somebody. And then I reduce what they said to 60 seconds. Who am I to decide (laughs) what the best, but it's the nugget that I took away. And that's what we have to live with. As an entrepreneur, I know how meaningful it is to invest in the people and causes that are close to me. And on GoFundMe, it's easy, safe, and powerful to do just that. Whether you're supporting a family member, friend, local business, or charity. And whenever you make a donation, you're protected by the GoFundMe giving guarantee. Visit GoFundMe.com today to help make a positive difference in your community. Hey, fitness fans, ready to crush your fitness goals? Make your move to EOS Fitness, where becoming a member starts at just $9.99 a month. Gyms are open 24-7 and packed with the latest gym equipment to keep your workouts fresh. What are you waiting for? Give them a call, drop by, or hit up jefffenster.com forward slash EOS to join. EOS Fitness, better gym, better price. Now, let's get after those goals. So pivoting to film... Because you also are responsible for the Wish Man. Wish Man. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, which, I mean, because of who you are. I mean, it was Oscar qualified. Um, it's the story of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. 
What was the inspiration for you to do that film? Well, it's actually an interesting story. So at Secret Knock, we had this gentleman named Frank Shankwitz come. He was the founder of Make-A-Wish. And at the end of the interview, I said, Frank, I got to know. And he says, what? I go, what was your wish? And he looked at me like I had two heads. And he goes, what? And I go, yeah, what? you're the founder of Make-A-Wish. What did you ask for? He said, no one asked me. I said, what? I go, I want to be the guy that grants the wish of the founder of Make-A-Wish. Anything you want, I'll give it to you. What do you want? And he says, I just want my story to be told so my grandkids will know I did something. So he signed over his life rights, and I said, Frank, I'm going to make it into a major feature film. Just know I've never made a feature <laughs> film. And he trusted me, and it took six years of trials and tribulations. But when it came out, yes, we made the shortlist for the Oscars mm-hmm. uh, but on the ballad. But more importantly, it's still trending worldwide today. And the moral is that everyone can be a hero. You don't need to be a celebrity, a millionaire, a billionaire to give a pair of socks to a homeless person or stop a bully from fighting. Everyone can do something to leave this world a better place. That's powerful. Yeah, it's pretty neat. And I'll I, I share with everyone the actual code that I learned. I remember I couldn't, for years, I was struggling because I was listening to people up in Hollywood. And Hollywood is it's a facade. Let's just call it that way. And I remember I sat down with the guy who started uh, uh, Showtime Television. His name's Jules. And I said, what's the code? What am I missing? Like I did with the publishers. And they go, oh, you're, you don't know the Hollywood code. I go, what is it? He goes, that's easy. If you come up and someone says yes right away, that means no. A no is a no. A maybe is all you're looking for. And I look back and I go, sure enough, I've been waiting five years because every time I go up there, people say, yeah, baby, we're going to make you a star. We're going to give you $16 million. And I actually believed it because where I live, that a yes is a yes. Yeah. That was just a way of them saying no. And so what I did is I went up there after that and say, hey, here's what's going on. They go, yeah, sounds great. I say, that's a no. A no is a no. And finally, when I went to a, hey, you know what? That sounds good. Let's have a meeting with the studio and say we can work something out. That maybe is all I was looking for. Seven months later, we birthed that baby, and here we, we are today. And you mentioned Secret Knock, which is how I actually came to know you without knowing you. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been a huge fan of this mastermind community that you built. I've been trying to get and in now forever. You, now, and now you're in. I've been trying to get in forever. Now you're um, in. Because what I like about it is I like, for some reason, and I, I'm sure it's by design, but the exclusivity of it and the you have to be invited, but you don't know how to get invited is so cool. Yeah, thank you. And there's a TV show I grew up with called Seinfeld. That is my favorite TV show of all time. Then you're going to like this. I'm going to love it. The entire idea of Secret Knock was George Costanza opposite day. That's it. <laughs> that's how I created it. Isn't that funny? That's, yes. But that's the truth. I realized that everyone's doing these events would have these flyers with little bubble heads, and they talk about what you're going to learn. So you had, the, you had the, tuna, the, the tuna fish sandwich. Yes. Because he usually... Wait, no, he... He had he usually had chicken salad. So he went to tuna. Exactly. And 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 you go ask the pretty girl out and you do yes. everything opposite. And the bullies behind him in the movie theater. Yes. And so I decide, I go, what would that look like in our industry? And I go, what if I did an event where I charge you thousands of dollars to go, but I don't tell you where it is or who will be there? And it took off. And then we got named by Forbes and Inc. magazine mm-hmm. as the greatest event you cannot attend. <laughs> it, it's true. I, I mean, know. And now it's been 17 years, standing room only. We sell out six months in advance, and this is the way it works. Again, it's five grand for a ticket, but we won't tell you where it is, who will be there. All we do is tell you the city, state, and date. 
And that way, everyone can make reservations. And right before, we drip the secret location. Mm -hmm. But by doing that, we've had a private Skype with Edward Snowden while he's hiding in Russia so he could tell his side of the story, not just CNN. We had President Vicente Fox come in and tell us without Secret Service how George Bush tried to trick him to go to war. Last time, Carol Baskin came in to say, hey, I didn't kill my husband. But more importantly, you know, I've already met this Joe Exotic guy. This last time, we had one of our biggest ones, and they had to cancel because of a threats against them, it was Stormy Daniels. And our whole concept is how do we give a voice to people, whether you agree or disagree, but how can you at least hear it from their perspective, mm -hmm. get counsel from their point of view without it being whitewashed? And that's what we do. And for those who maybe aren't as familiar with Secret Knock, I've had the privilege of being at tons of events. I've spoken at tons. I've been guests at tons. And Secret Knock is the one that I have always wanted to go to. It is a collect all of my peers that I that I love and respect as speakers, as influential experts in their fields. They all say that they get the most from Secret Knock. I appreciate that, and you are in, brother. You, oh, thank you're, you. You're in the family now, so thank you. Moving forward, you are officially knighted. I've been invited. You're knighted. You're you're Woo. you're going to be our speaker keynote. You're going to love it. Oh well, thank you. This our whole idea is that instead of these other events where it's just coaches and teachers and mentors, which is awesome. We said, what if we just did an environment where you only learn from the source itself? So for example, again, if you want to talk about cars, we bring in Tonino Lamborghini flying them in from Italy. So you hang out with the actual guy. If you want to start a clothing line, go have tacos over here with Brian Smith, who started Ugg Boots. If you want to start, you know, this, go hang out with the actual person, the founder of North Face to the whatever. Because when you hear it right from the source, you realize that they're not the you know, rocket scientists that we think they are, all they did was what you said earlier. They took action with their idea and aligned with the right people that were smarter than them. And next thing you know, by that collaboration, it changed the world. That's right. And I speak a lot about strategic activity because people are busy all the time because they're active. And there's a difference between activity and productivity. Amen. And income producing activity. In, well, if it is required. Yes. Not everything needs to be income producing. I agree, but people that are the brke'st Correct. Are spending the time doing the least amount that brings them that traffic that fixes that situation. That's correct. Right? And people feel good being busy when they are trying to get ahead. So they spin their wheels and they run their legs like a cartoon character, but they don't move anywhere. Yeah. And they go, I'm just doing all this activity and I'm busy. Mm -hmm. And you can do 10% of that, but make it strategic activity and get 100% better results. Agreed. And so what I like about the secret not concept is when you listen to these experts, these direct from the horse's mouth founders and uh, influential individuals in their respective fields, you will learn what that strategic activity was. Well, and you hear, you hear right from the source because it's so simple. I'll give you an example. Uh, for If you want to talk about movies and we bring in Oscar person, they go, yeah, yes is a no and no is a no and maybe it's all you're looking for. Boom. Right there is all the gold I need to change my entire direction. When Les Brown comes up and goes, here's how you use a microphone. Like on stage, if I'm holding it right here, I'm blocking my face so no one can see me. If I can hold it at the end over here and go like this, all of a sudden now you're connected with the audience. And if you wear a little bit lighter jacket against the black background, you'll pop off and instantly without even saying a word, you'll connect quicker with the group. So dark shirt, dark background, bad. Well, because you blend into the thing. And Mike in front of my face, bad. Think about it, right? So people can see you. And look and at it, that. But it's a, that's, that's, I'm never wearing a dark <laughs> shirt again. That, that was the worst yeah, no, fist bump we ever did. So the idea is, I know we should do bumping fists, like bumping uh, mics. So the whole idea is, again, all I do different, if you ever see pictures of me speaking at the you know, Pentagon to you know, United Nations, I always just wear something a little bit different because it makes me pop off. Look at the camera right now. 
Isn't that interesting? Yeah, you shine. Right. And all it is is I'm just wearing a brighter jacket. No big deal. Yeah, and I blend in. I'm just like a, a bobbly head. You're like Where's Waldo right Yes. There. Find me. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a speaker as well. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. You've spoken a few times. What's the coolest place you've ever spoken at? Back to the United Nations. I, 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 they were doing the Novus Summit. And the it was, Novus? Yeah, Novus Summit. It was an awards thing where the, it was amazing, but it had some of the greatest minds that you can imagine and the knucklehead like me. And I remember walking through that place was like surreal. And then standing on stage at the microphone, at the podium where the popes and the presidents and everyone stood was one of the greatest highlights I've ever had in my life. Wow. Yeah. It was absolutely phenomenal. It really was. Who was the most intimidated person? You were the most intimidated when you met them or interviewed them. I've had a, a few of those, and it was interesting. One of it was the most unlikely one, because we don't have it in San Diego. It's called NASCAR, you know, mm-hmm. the whole thing. And Mike Helton is the guy who actually turned NASCAR around and made it family-friendly and everything. So I had an interview with him. And here's, by the way, my secret. I'm going to give you guys a secret now. Here's how I get access to people. Specificity. And I know I say it wrong because I'm dyslexic, but be specific. So what I do is I say, hey, Mike, I need 12.5 minutes of your time. No one wants to have dinner with me. They don't want to have their coffee. They don't want their brain picked. They don't want to go to lunch. Specificity. Mike, I need 12.5 minutes of your time. I'll cover all my own costs and expense to get to you. From the moment I open the door till the time I leave will be 12 and a half minutes. I'll start a stopwatch. I just want to know X, Y, Z. The chance of him coming from his office to the break room is so high because it's specific. Yep. That's it. So that's what I did. And so I had they can this... quantify the they can quantify the commitment. Correct. It's so easy. That's yeah. how I get access. I, if I get off stage and there's, you know, a thousand people and they want to take pictures, they say the nicest things. How can I work with you? How can I be of contribution? I don't got 30 minutes for a resume check. Guy comes up to me and says, Hey, liked your talk. Uh, I saw your Instagram. You got a couple million followers. I make internet memes. If let me send you one. If you like it, you'll use me. Eight seconds. I know who you are, what you do. You got my cell phone, we're in contact. That's the new generation. And that's what I use to open up doors. So I was with Mike Helton. I remember we were sitting in this, it was like this, all the lights and the cameras, and it was a very big deal. And I, but I didn't even know what a NASCAR was, to be honest with you. I grew up in San Diego. So I got there and go, holy smoke, this is like a big thing, right? And we're sitting there, but the interview wasn't going very well. And he's a John Wayne character, six foot five, the whole bit. And he just had his arms crossed and thing. And I, 10 minutes into, I go, you know what, Mike? I, go, I think I just wasted both of our time. He goes, what? I go, I shouldn't have come here. I go, this is the worst interview I ever did in my life. And he goes, huh? I go, yeah, I'm done. And I stood up and started taking off my microphone. And I wanted a pattern interruption. I go, hey, Mike. He goes, what? I go, hey, that first time they give you the big cardboard check you know, for like a million dollars, you did something good. I go, what'd your mom say? He goes, you know what? She told me to take out the trash. She didn't care. But my dad, he knew I was onto something. And he sat down. And he put his microphone back on. And then all of a sudden he says, you know how NASCAR became NASCAR? I go, what? And he reached into his pocket and he pulled out this piece of paper and it was all tattered, like falling apart. And he gently opened it up. He goes, this is the whole blueprint. He goes, I carry this with me every single day and this is what it is. It's called the Cowboy's Ethics. And he says, speak less, say more. Ride for the brand, do what's right. And he says, I knew that the Winston Cup was promoting cigarettes, but kids were coming in, so we made Eminem a sponsor. And we switched everything around and started doing things all based on this stuff. And everyone in the room was gasping. I was like, what's going on here? And then we did our interview. It was one of the best ones I ever did. And I was walking out and the vice president of NASCAR pulls me aside and says, I've been working here for 25 years and I never knew he had that in his pocket. Wow. Isn't that great? 
That is great. That is great. And all because you almost ended the interview. I did had to do a pattern interruption because I could just feel it was, he was so big and strong and in his element, in his turf. It was just, you know what I mean? It's just, I had to pattern interrupt sometimes. That's all we got to do. So who's somebody you tried to get to that you haven't yet been Elon Musk is the only guy. I don't have many. Musk. Hey, Elon. Yeah, exactly. It's the only interview that's ever eluded me. And I was so close many times, but I just have not been able to break that nut. Yet. Correct. I, I've talked to his mom. I've talked to, I mean, in fact, she was at the Nova Summit. Uh, Peter Diamandis. I, got, I don't know if you know Peter at all. I don't personally know him. Okay, so Peter Diamandis started at the X Prize. Uh, great story behind there, but I remember I, I, I went to his office three hours into it. I was leaving, and he said something so prolific. It's like one of these mind blowers, right? He says, Greg? I go, yeah. He goes, while you and your friends are doing everything to make this world a better place, which is very admirable. He goes, me and my friends are trying to get off it to create the perfect planet somewhere else. I just went, whoa. Talk about changing paradigm, right? And like going, holy smokes, I'm thinking small. <laughs> so Elon Musk, if you get to interview Elon, mm-hmm. what's the first question you ask him? Ask him on the show right now and we'll, we'll, we'll get him to answer. Elon, just pick up the phone. You know, it's, it's time. Yeah. We, it's time that we sit down and have that conversation. No, no prep. And so here's the thing, too, is I don't Google anyone. Mm-hmm. I don't do any research. I just go based on what my feelings are because yeah. that's how you have these truthful conversations. And I believe that's why my readers have liked the work that we've done because you see it from a different perspective. Vander Holyfield was one of my favorite interviews. Um, he's a poet, a philosopher I didn't see coming, right? And I go, how did you win more heavyweight championships than anyone in history? And he says, I have a higher standard. I go, that's it? He goes, yeah. He goes, in sports, I showed up early. I left late. I invented exercises. I had a higher standard, and I won more championships. Simple. He goes, where could you be in your own business if you raise your standard? And I said, yeah, but didn't it hurt being in a fight? He says, Yeah. He says, when you're in a fight, you don't focus on the pain. You don't focus on the blows. As soon as you focus on the pain, you end up on your back knocked out. But that's what everyone does outside the ring. Mm -hmm. They focus on gas prices, war, COVID, economy. And then they wonder why they never become a champion. And he pulled me in tight. An Adonis of a man missing half an ear bitten off by Tyson. He says, the funny thing is when you do win the championship. He says, everyone comes to their feet and they chant your name. They raise your hand in victory and a guy puts a big shiny belt around your waist. He said, at that moment and at that second, you don't feel even one of the punches you took along the journey. (laughs) But the guy in the losing locker room has every bruise, every excuse for the rest of their life wishing they would raise their standard. That is profound. I mean, my brain just surged with thoughts when you said that. Yeah, that's what's so cool about this. I mean, I I always tell people, I go, I think I'm the least qualified guy to do what I do. The only thing I do is with enthusiasm. Yeah. (laughs) Right? But I disagree you're the least qualified because you you have that curiosity. Curiosity. And I figure if you do the same too much research, I'm going to show up and ask the same damn question I saw subconsciously on YouTube. Mm -hmm. But if I just show up as a person, as a peer, I can kind of dig deep and hear things that most people would never. So you grew up in San Diego? Yeah, the main streets. West Coast! Me too. Where'd you go to high school? Well, I grew up in the main streets of Del Mar. That's okay. I don't have one of those rag to riches stories like all these people. I mean, I, I tell I go, I was in a poor street gang called the Del Mar Posse. <laughs> that night we'd break into Maseratis and detail them. We we're a real tough group. <laughs> did you go to Torrey Pines? I did. I was one of the first people to go through 
Delmar Heights, Delmar Shores, Earl Warren, Torrey Pines, and I graduated from Benita Vista. Oh, very cool. Very rare for me to sit across someone else who was born and raised, born in San Diego as well? Yeah, uh, born in L.A., but raised, I raised? call born okay. and raised. Once Close I was enough. two yeah, years yeah. old. Yeah. And you stayed. Yeah, I know, from the 60s, so it, it's very, very nice. Greatest city in the world. I know. And it's like our kids growing up, they... they my kid has no clue ex- yes. except for what it is. It's so funny. We are in L.A. just recently at the uh, garment district. He wanted some new suits at 11 years old. And we're walking around. The homeless people had all those tents. And he goes, what's all this? And I go, well, you can look at it two ways. And he goes, number one, it's either a very horrific homeless situation or it's a very successful camping expedition. <laughs> 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 what did he say? <laughs> He got it. He had, <laughs> so he what, the what does he need suits for? He's 11 years old. Because uh, he comes to these events. Uh, yeah. When he was a kid, he had the number one album on Amazon, spoken word. So he does a, one of these mantras. He goes, my name's Colt. I'm happy. I'm powerful. I'm brave. I'm wise. I'm worthy. I'm successful. I help people. And then a buddy of mine put hip-hop music to it. So he started a Spotify channel, and it took off. Oh, that's cool. Isn't that cool? That is so cool. And I, I got to tell you, I learned something all the time. Um Everyone always loves their kids, but I'll tell you this one lesson because it's more of a parenting aha. Uh-huh. I was doing a podcast, and a woman asked me a question. Talk about paradigm shift. And she said, do you pay your son money allowance to do things he doesn't like to do around the house, like pull the weeds, make the bed? I go, absolutely. I'm going to teach my son the power. She goes, stop. That's a shame that you're ruining your child forever. I would expect more from you. I said, teach me. And she goes, think about it. From the earliest of time, the earliest of memory, you're training your child. The only way to make money is to do something they don't like. Whoa. I sat him down and says, Colt, I go, listen, man, you make all these TikTok videos and Instagram memes. From now on, you're my guy. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pay your allowance doing what you do best. And by the way, how about you make your bed and clean up the stuff? We'll call it contribution for living in this estate. And that changed everything. So now when we go to sneaker con, he goes, dad, I want these shoes. How many TikToks can I make you? <laughs> but he's doing what he excels at. And now he's teaching other kids to do the same. Well, I have to change how I parent my kids now. Isn't that interesting? Yes. And they always listen to what we say. After we, things opened up again, I had my first party. And I remember I said, hey, Colt, contribution, go upstairs, you know, make your bed, clean up the room, the whole bit. Ten minutes later, one of his friends comes down, and he has a handful of cash. And he goes, hey, Dad, put this in the bank for me. I go, where'd you get that? He goes, I got it from your son, Colt. I go, what? I go, what? I go, Colt, come down here. I go, what did you give him money for? And he goes, well, I paid him to make my bed and to <laughs> clean up the room. And I said, why did you do that? And he says, Dad, you taught me from the earliest of memory to work my strengths and hire my weaknesses. I had other stuff to do. I need your son on my podcast. That's what I told I you. I need him on the podcast. Isn't that interesting? Yes, I need to learn from him. He's brilliant. Brilliant kid for 11 years old. So when you were in high school, what did you see What did you see adult Greg doing? Kind of what we're doing now, but I was always into sales and marketing. So when I was 17, my dad says, you got to go to college. I'll send you any university you want to. You have to go get a college degree. And I said, no. I go, I want to go get into sales and marketing. And I remember I was walking out, and it was like a scene of The Jerk is an old movie from back in the day. And I had my pillow and my blow dryer, had hair at the time. And he sat there and looked at me straight in the eye and says, son, you're never going to make money talking to people. And he closed the door on me. Next year, I made my first six figures, and I sent him a copy of my W-2 and said, dear dad. <laughs> right? <laughs> and now it's the joke of the family because obviously that's what I do. Yeah, you do all right. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Looking for great insights? Entrepreneur.com's podcast network is the place for you. 
Check out podcasts like Problem Solvers and Smart Passive Income for smart advice. Hear true stories on how success happens, financial updates on dirty money, deep dives with Behind the Review, and food trends on restaurant influencers. And don't miss my new show. It's all at entrepreneur.com forward slash listen. Let's start our success journey today. Hey there, it's your host, Jeff Fenster, and I have something very exciting to share with you today. You know, here on The Jeff Fenster Show, we're all about growth, both personally and professionally. Speaking of growth, have you ever heard of Everbull? As the proud founder of Everbull, I can tell you firsthand that we're on a mission to help everyone unevolve, to live actively and eat stuff that's been around forever. Imagine stepping back into a world where everything you eat is fresh, nourishing, and packed with nutrients. At Everbowl, we've got you covered with our wide range of superfood bowls. But it's not just about the food. It's about a community of like-minded individuals who are determined to embrace a vibrant, fulfilling lifestyle. Join us on this journey as we redefine what it means to be healthy and active. So if you're ready to unevolve and be the best version of yourself, head over to everbowl.com and check out our menu. I had a similar influence. My, my mom and dad, I have Jewish parents, and they said very clearly, you can be anything you want as long as it's a doctor or lawyer. Pick. <laughs> so naturally, school and education was forced upon me. Mm. So I understand, I understand that. But sales and marketing is – everyone should be learning sales. Mm. They don't realize that even if you are a receptionist at a dental office, you're in sales. Period. Everybody is in sales. And the really smart, successful people understand that and use it as a strength, regardless of whether or not they actually sell a product or service for currency. Correct. And the ability to articulate your core values, your solution, your ideas is so vital in all walks of life that I don't understand why if I could go back and fix the schooling system, there would be a sales and marketing class, just like there's English and math and history and science. Okay. There is, by the way. So my son goes to this private school. What's it called? It's called Treehouse Academy, and this whole semester is based on sales, marketing, management, things of this nature. Treehouse Academy? Yes. Where's that? It's a brand new school down in Point Loma, and it's phenomenal. And by the way, I I know it's going to sound strange, but I've got the greatest ex-wife in the world. And my former wife and her husband and her family, we're all friends. We just had Easter together. Awesome. And her and I decided that we're going to co-parent our child a little differently. We said, when it comes to reading, writing, things of this nature, we had no interest of his grades. We said, let's do instead of IQ, EQ. Let's Mm -hmm. teach him to communicate. Let's teach him to tell us when he's hungry or angry or sad or whatever. So now that kid could literally negotiate a ham sandwich for a Twinkie off the playground all day long. And we go, because that's a life skill that you'll always learn. And we can bring in a tutor later to teach him these other things. And by doing so, that's why I think he's doing so well. It's not Mm because we're great parents. We just kind of flipped it on its tail a little. Well, I don't think the schooling system is not empowering kids to become successful adults in a capitalistic society like the United school. States of America. Well, the traditional Correct. education system. Correct. Just uh, this week, we actually took my youngest daughter. We're looking at a different system for her education. She's in an equestrian. She misses so much school, she could care less about traditional school. And all she wants to do in life is be with horses. Nice. Which is fine, but she's not learning any of those skills. And what I've learned with, we have, you know, 1,000 employees that are 25 and under across the fleet of stores. Most of these kids don't know how to use, even take out a credit card or understand how to use credit. Mm-hmm. They don't understand personal finance. They don't understand investing. Mm-hmm. They don't understand any of the little things that if you deploy early in life can build abundance mm-hmm. and enable you to have all those things you want. And I don't understand why we can't get the traditional education system to realize that the archaic method 
is not working in solving today's problems. Well, my co-author, Sharon Lecter, who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad with Kiyosaki, she's actually getting bills passed right now to make it mandatory. You cannot pass high school until you go through some of these things. And she's working on through the state of Arizona right now and nationwide because you're 100% correct. And these are the things that are lacking. And you and I talked about beforehand, like there's a, we're not sales reps for this thing, but there's a thing called green light, right? And it's a debit card that we get our kids. And what's nice about that though, is they can see their credits and debits and how it works. Now they think money magically appears (laughs) because we just send it. On the same note, they can see when they're running low on money and when they need money, what they can do for things. And that simple little act at 10, 11 years old, at least changes their mindset so they can see it. And to give color, before the show, we were talking, both our 11-year-olds have this app called Greenlight. Neither of us are endorsing it. We don't make money from it. It's just something we use to give our children money. Um, and we were laughing because both our 11-year-olds click a button and I get a text saying, Maya has requested $50. Kick down some dough. Yeah. Exactly. Come on, Dad. <laughs> Serve your purpose. Exactly. I got yes. sushi meetings. I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> 10 years? What? It's so funny. It's a, it is definitely a different life. On the same note, moving forward, you know, was, uh, I had this debate uh, recently, and I was going, you know, my son's been playing a lot of video games, and we also play a lot of physical activities, by the way. So he does an hour on that, and then we go play football or do archery or do something else. But I realized that it was driving me nuts because I grew up with BB guns and different things. And someone pulled me aside and said something very prolific and said, Greg, you don't understand. It's just their equipment. Our equipment was different. We had baseball gloves yes. and things. Their equipment is different. It's video games. It's, it's computer. It's access. Yeah. It's not just the, the – it's funny. He had to write a thesis of why they should have a pet for their class. So he went to chat GPT, had it write a thing on there, and then put it through another one where it made sure it sounded like an 11-year-old, and then <laughs> sent it to another one. And I went as – illegal slash that's not great. I go, God bless you for working the system and learning how that's their system. Well, chat GPT, I mean, I've been giving a, thinking about this a lot, as I'm sure everyone is. It's no different than the invention of the calculator in math. It's a tool. It's a very similar thing. It's a tool. Yeah. And if I don't need to fill my head with endless information, like a test, we study the information to regurgitate it on an exam. But some professors let you have open book tests. That's right. So it's understanding, did you know, do you know the information enough to find the information in the book? Right. Well, Google and ChatGPT are just the next iteration of that. Mm. Yeah, of course, I don't want them, we don't want them plagiarizing. We want some thought going in. It shouldn't just be, but understanding what prompts, what queries, what questions to ask it, that's where the gold is. That's my point. Is being able to do that and do that and do that. And do, that's the process. That's the process. About process. Yes. I was more impressed with the process than the end result. Correct. And because that's going to be the future. We can fight it, argue it, whatever. But what's going to be different than him and his kids is way different than our generation. So it's just different equipment. Isn't that interesting, though? It I mean, is. it changes the perspective a little bit. So you've interviewed, I mean, you probably have interviewed the most amount of incredible humans from anyone I've ever gotten the privilege of talking to. If you were interviewing you, what would you, what would you want to know? Why do I keep doing this over and over and over? And it's interesting because I keep asking myself that question. It's like, oh, what it feeds me. Mm-hmm. So if somehow I'm being fed. On the same note, I'm working on my final book right now. It's your final book. Final book. And we so have one more. One more. And I believe maybe when I'm, you know, 10, 20 years from now, I might write a memoir, but this will be my last book. I put my name on as a sole owner. 
I might do some co-author books or multi-author books, but right now this is my last book and I, I, I'm really going hard at it and I'm giving it everything. And the name of the title of this book, you're going to laugh because no one's done it yet. It's called Personal Development. <laughs> Here I laugh. And it's the definitive book on all that's possible. And so I'm looking at it from Aristotle to Ziegler and I'm going to reduce down to common sense because I'm not the sharpest tool of what all this stuff is. Everyone's in the ADD Instagram society. So what I'm going to do is take a book, for example, as a man thinketh and say, what you think about becomes your reality by the actions in which we take. We can learn everything about an individual from the circumstances that they put themselves in, because those are the thoughts that initiated it. Now, I just sent you, saved you 300 pages of reading of the thing. And then at the end of the book, I'll have a resource where you can go buy that book. But I'm going to do that to everything, everybody. Zig Ziglar, see at the top. What he really meant was to get what you want in life, you help enough people get what they want along the way and then give an example of that. Yep. So I'm going to make this personal development book one of the coolest reads where you sit on the toilet, you can open mm -hmm. it at any page and go, ah, that's what that meant. That's cool. Isn't that neat? Yeah. So when is that coming out? We just today started it with the mastermind group. So I got a group together and we're going to do this as a team for one full year okay. and go out and interview everyone. So next uh, week we're talking to Brian Tracy and Les Brown and Dennis Waitley and all the living legends. And then we're going to start peeling the onion to find these people that are in Africa that are building computers and bicycles from garbage on the side of the street and find out what makes people tick. And this is going to be it. The last one in the series. Exactly. How does that make you feel? Good. I want to get more into mass media, and I'll tell you the reason. It's just like you're doing right now. You're like, I can write another 100 books and impact another million people. That's awesome. On the same note, Wishman was seen by tens of millions of people. And I'm going, geez, I might as well really work towards a good cable TV show mm -hmm. that I can give good messages out and do that is using my time more, you know, appropriately. One, one suggestion? Mm. Skip cable. I would go with an Amazon or a Netflix. Yes. Cut the cord. Cut the cord. Cut the cord. Let it go. So my last my last question that I have to ask you is about the infamous Las Vegas Walk of Stars. Oh, isn't that cool? That is so cool. <laughs> That's incredible. I no one's more shocked than me. <laughs> where 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 is it? So if you go to the Paris Hotel, okay. right on the sidewalk, right where the Eiffel Tower has its leg coming out, I'm number ninety, and if you stand on it, you can watch the Bellagio Water Show, the whole bit. And I'm six from Elvis Presley. And it's pretty amazing. Right next to Donnie and Marie and all these different people. And again, me. Uh, it's pretty, pretty cool. I'm going to be there on Sunday. I'm going to go stand on you. Take, wash it, please. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, a lot of people take pictures and it looks like a bunch of bubble gum and stuff. So every no, I'm going like, to stand on Greg for a minute <laughs> and take a photo. Every time I'm there, I'm always scrub. People are looking at me like I'm crazy because I'm out scrubbing my star. So let me tell you the reason why I did that, by the way, because it'll, it'll give context to it. I'm, I'm going to be 60 this year. My kid's 11, right? The chance of him coming to my grave or his kids is 0%. But I realized for the rest of his life, when he goes to Vegas, he's going to go, hey, there's my pop or my grandpa, pour one out for the homie. So that was the whole idea. That was my one selfish thing I was doing. I mean, uh, when you say selfish thing you're doing, I think it's a testament to what you've done. Mm -hmm. Because, yes, you've written 140 books that are bestsellers and – you have interviewed thousands of incredible humans and told their stories at the highest level. You've written movies. You created Secret Knock, which I'm still delighted that I'm finally talking to You're the man in the group. who created Secret You got the Secret, Secret Handshake, Bob. But what you don't realize is you don't know how many millions of people you've inspired, taught, and trained that haven't contacted you. That's right. 
And that's the part that I was saying earlier about being careful with our words because every day I get a text, email, phone call, something, letter from somebody that says, hey, that one thing that you said at that time impacted my life. So I'm very cautious. On the same note, when it comes to mentoring, just like you and I are offline, I'm to the point. I'm very curt because, again, uh, I want people to take action, and most people don't. Yes. But the people that are willing to do it and, and follow through, they're the ones that I continue to work with. I mean, it's true. It's so frustrating when you have, especially we all had our social circle of friends that we've known forever, and they always hit me up, hey, I need your advice on this, and I give it to them, and then they do nothing with do it. Do nothing. And then they ask me again for my advice in six months, and I'm like, what do you – do you want to just grab food and hang out and talk <laughs> yeah, sports? Because do we have to really talk about something you're not going to do? Exactly. Well, I, I have this thing. So if someone comes up to me, I always say yes. And they say, hey, can you work with me? And I say, yes. All I need you to do is text me Tuesday at 10, 10 a.m. and say I'm in. Here's my number. That gets rid of 99.99% because there's an actionable step. But the one person who does, I say, great. I'll meet you Thursday for lunch at noon at this restaurant. I need you to bring two empty lobster shells and a baseball helmet. Now that gets rid of the other 99.9. But the person who will text me at that time and show up there, the chance of no matter what I say with them, they're going to do something with it. So now I'm very cautious of how you use my time, but I'm going to honor the people that are willing to act. Can I tell you a funny story? Please. When I started Everbowl, it was 2016. I'd never opened a restaurant before. I knew nothing about restaurants. And everyone said, you're crazy. And I was just, this was a hobby, a passion project. And I said, how am I going to hire for this? And I had no idea. So what did I do? Hmm. I, I got a uh, few re- you know people to give resumes. And I said, meet me at 234, bring a red paper clip. Nice. And the reason I said that is I wanted I gave them a random time and, and a specific. random thing. And very specific. Yeah. I wanted to see, can they show up specifically on time? Can they follow directions? And are they able to find something that they need? Hmm. Do you know how many people didn't show up at 234 with a red paper clip or 1119 with a purple paper clip? Majority. Majority. Yeah. The ones who did, we hired them. Obviously. And the, <laughs> the first one who I hired, his name's Ben. Yeah. He became our very first franchisee. Oh, my gosh. That's so great. And he's now running a whole chain of them in, in Florida. So there's no coincidence of that. There's no so coincidence So people of that. pay attention to this conversation. This is the golden gem right here. This is dropping the nuggets. It, look for people that are willing to act and do something with it. Yes. That's how you honor your mentors. It is. And when you get And when we hear what to do, do it. Mm-hmm. And don't do it to the lowest level. So one of our core values, and I'm big on core values, and that's going to be my last question for you, but is we strive for remarkability, not perfection. Yeah. Because perfection is finite. If you're perfect, you bowl a 300, you can't do better, so you're done. And we believe in Kaizen to get 1% better every day. But when you strive for remarkability, yeah. perfection is hit along the way yeah. because you're getting better. And that's true when we are like, hey, you you get told by your boss, your coworker, your kids, in my case, your 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 spouse, et cetera, to please do something, we normally do it to the lowest level to complete the job. And life changes when we do it to the most and highest caliber that Beautiful. we can. And so that's one of our core values. But I was going to ask you, because you clearly are very clear on your words. Do you have defined core values? Transparency. That's, that, that's our number one thing. I don't like secrets. I don't like People. Wait, 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 yes. wait, wait. The founder of Secret Knock doesn't like secrets. I don't. I want people to be transparent. So when people come to Secret Knock, that's our first thing. Tell us your secret. Yep. Be transparent. Put it out there. Tell us, the, tell us the story behind the story. And by living that type of life, it's amazing. Because when you can become impeccable with your word, 
you attract the people of like mind. Yep. And it's attraction over promotion. I happen to be 35 years sober guy, just so you know. And so our whole concept is attraction over promotion. And that's how we like to live our life. So for example, in this industry, I'm probably the most unfamous guy in the industry because it's not about that fame and fortune. It's about doing your thing, being impeccable your word, and be so busy doing the good work that you don't have to tell people about it. You can just become it. That's so beautiful. Greg, I could sit here and talk to you all day. And now that I know you actually are live in San Diego. Uh, and you're going to get your butt kicked in some pool when you come by the house? I'm going to. And yeah. I'm going to also see the bucket of all of the... That's it. The, I mean, I want to see that. Yes. Because that's the stuff that... In fact, I tell you what, you should bring your camera guy come by at one time because it's like a little museum of some of the stuff that we happen to have there. Yeah. It, it, it's phenomenal. Well, I'm a believer in taking immediate decisive action. So I need let's a, do it. Yeah, just bring a red paper clip. I'll bring a red paper clip. What time? 2.34? What <laughs> 2:34, day? 2.34. Get with Tia. By the way, you've seen it all here. Tia, it's going to happen. Tia, we're doing it. I'm coming. So before you leave, we're booking that time. Done deal. But thank you, Greg. I mean, honestly, this has been such a pleasure. I am yeah. so excited to have had this opportunity and finally get you into my circle. And now we're friends. Isn't that great? Yes, we're friends. Yeah. So you're stuck with me now, Greg. There you go. It's a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in. And we look forward to seeing you again. If we can ever be of contribution, let us know. Just be specific. My Instagram is Greg S. Reed. If you send me a DM, just don't talk about the weather, what the kids ate for lunch. Say, hey, what's a good business book I should read? Who's a good contact for me to have? I promise I'll get back to 100% of you. You heard it here. Greg Reed. Follow him. He has so much knowledge to share. He is able to access so many incredible minds. By getting into his sphere and learning from him, you are learning not only from him, but from thousands and thousands of extremely successful humans. Greg Reed, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you're looking to level up your relationship capital game, then take a minute and text the word Jeff to 33777 for a free copy of my Network to Millions playbook. The link will also be provided in the show notes below. See you guys next time.